soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines, this morning at 0300, we launched Operation Desert Storm. Now, you must be the thunder and lightning of Desert Storm. Welcome to Thunder and Lightning, Operation Desert Storm Podcast. My name is Jason Dyes, and this is Episode 4, 30 Years Later, with Dr. Aslan Kaleh. Now, uh, here we are, Episode 4 already, and still 30 years ago on the campus of San Antonio College. And one of the coolest things about that campus was they had their own radio station, KSYM, and they played what was referred to as college music or alternative music, and it was just a really cool station. It was on the old FM band, Frequency Modulation Band, and that song, Concrete Blonde's Joey, was one of those songs you didn't always hear on what was called Top 40 Radio or Rock and Roll or certainly not the country music stations, of which there were plenty of in 1990. Well, if you listen to last week's episode, I talked about that amazing experience of meeting, not really meeting, but getting to know Dr. at the time, Professor Aslan Kali. Um, he had a different opinion on how the war was going to go, and a letter to the editor um, started a really cool conversation. And then, of course, against all odds, meeting him after the war while house-sitting for a co-worker is just one of those parts of my experience in the war that is hard to believe. If, I didn't, if it hadn't actually happened to me, I might not have believed it was true either. Now, Dr. Kali did retire this year uh, from San Antonio College in teaching, but I thanked him for agreeing to be on this show, and I asked him, hey, how are you doing 30 years later? Thank you very much. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. For 30 years, I've actually wondered, because I read a news story in the San Antonio Ranger student newspaper about a seminar or a speech that Professor Kali had given in 1990 when he said the United States was going to lose the war, but I didn't actually hear the actual in-person event. I just read the news story about it, and so it was so good to finally talk to him about that and find out that he was talking about the overall political process that is absolutely part of any war. The, in the toolbox of politics, I think the, the, the sheer force of the U.S. military should be the last resort to, to you know, maybe exercises or practices in the, in the course of uh, politics. And my perception was not that the U.S. military will be defeated because we have won so many wars, and we do. We have the, probably the most sophisticated army and Air Force and Navy and Coast Guard and Marines and whatever you said, it is there. But what I was trying to explain was that, that ultimately, uh, the, the, since we're not the close to that culture and we don't understand those people and they have different views about different things of the world is that we shouldn't stay there and eventually be too much involved in these matters and so forth because they are not good government, they are corrupt, they're mainly, mainly military dictatorships and ultimately those people have to decide what kind of a government yeah. do they like. In future episodes, I will talk to you about just the absolute cultural dichotomy that existed when Americans, Gen X and baby boomer Americans, landed on the soil of the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. You can go to Australia. You can go to Europe, and you're going to find things that will remind you of your life growing up in the Western world. 
Nothing like that existed in terms of commonality when we got to Saudi Arabia in 1991. And when I asked Dr. Kali why the civilizations are so seemingly pitted against each other, he had an amazingly honest and cogent answer. And he said, because most civilizations go through a renaissance that makes them better. And he's saying in the Middle East, that hasn't happened yet. That's right. My opinion is that, you know, in any um, civilization or religion in the world, especially uh, should it be Islam or, you know, others, there has been some renaissance and reformations after this uh, uh, industrial revolution that we had in the West and all those things. And I think the only countries and the only region that has not experienced that, those people haven't had yet to go through those process of maybe becoming mature and understanding the world politics is the Middle East and the Islamic world, in my opinion. They need, they must have a renaissance and reformation in their ideologies. And that's what we have, the Old Testament and New Testament. That's what right. uh, our founding fathers had different values as we have it today and all those things and so forth. Unfortunately, the uh, Islamic world has not uh, par with the world in, in modern time, in my opinion. If you are a baby boomer or a Gen Xer and you wonder why every 15 minutes gas prices used to go up and why there were attacks and wars going on in this one specific part of the world, Dr. Kali just explained it. But in 1990, we were unified in our opposition to turning over the free flow of oil and oil prices to the control of this madman from Iraq. And as you'll hear me talk about later in the podcast, he's, he's, he's either crazy or really brilliant. It's a fine line. We'll talk about that. But what Dr. Kali is saying is that without that reformation, that these two cultures will never get along. Now, here we are 30 years later. If you're watching the news, you're seeing peace deals struck between Israel and Bahrain and the United Arab Emirates. That was unthinkable in 1990. So maybe things are changing for the better. Uh, next, I talked to Dr. Kali about the only time I ever had some doubts about the outcome of the war was based on something I saw on CNN back in 1990. But I remember the foreign minister for Iraq in those days was, was a guy named Tariq Aziz. He was actually a Christian working for the Baptist right. regime in Absolutely. Iraq. And I remember he was doing this interview when he said that Iraq is 6,000 years old or something like that. And I, and I remember thinking at the time, I'm old enough to remember the bicentennial of America, which happened in 1976. I was in third grade, and I thought 200 plus years compared to 6,000 years. And I remember that was the only time where I thought, what are we really getting ourselves into here? Are we really going to change a country that's been around for 6,000 years, and why are we even trying? That is true. You know, I mean, the, the culture of Middle East goes back. You know, the, the recorded history tells us that the first civil societies was initiated in Middle East. But unfortunately, yeah. as I said, in modern time, they look like they are still uh, behind. They haven't catch up with the world. They haven't catch up with the modern methodology, technology, yeah. uh, you know, way of life and all those things and so forth. And sometimes I think they're, in a sense, blessed 
because they have enormous, uh, you know, raw materials that they sell to the world, to the yep. world and all those things. But ultimately, if any society wants to, uh, you know, survive and maintain itself, there has to be a class that they know how to run it and maintain it and and organize it and direct it. And I don't think so. They have those things. There, Dr. Kali is talking about the absence of the Jeffersonian democracies that you see in the United States and lots of parts and parts of Europe. They did not have those. Saddam Hussein, as a dictator, is the absolute opposite, the antonym of a representative republic like we have here in the United States. And I just thought that was a fascinating observation that he made because that that inability to have those compatible cultures in many ways led us from Desert Shield when I thought we were going to have some kind of diplomatic settlement into a shooting war, Desert Storm phase in 1991. The shooting part of the war kicks off in January of 1991, and I asked Dr. Kali, could he go back and kind of remember as a professor and a student of politics and history what his memories are of the shooting war, Operation Desert Storm? I thought so. I mean, it wasn't so fast. I don't think so that the U.S., uh, you know, the Republican Army of the Saddam being in in, in, a, in a, uh, another country, you know, in, in uh, dominating Kuwait, that that they could be able to stand U.S. forces and all those. And that was, that was obvious. If you missed last week's episode, what happened was after the war, I was doing a house-sitting gig and found out that Professor Kali lived across the street. I had never met him before and went across the street that Saturday night in the summer of 1991, and we had one of the best conversations about this entire experience where he basically described exactly what happened after the shooting war ended and all the problems with Iraq leading up to the next invasion in 2003. That discussion 30 years ago, the one thing we absolutely agreed on was that it had been a mistake to leave Saddam Hussein in power. And I'm not trying to use the perfect crystal clear vision of hindsight. I felt that way even 30 years ago. Well, I thought, you know, the, the Saddam Hussein was, you know, a very one of the bad actors in that area and then eventually he will cause another trouble. Remember, we had in, he had invaded Iran for eight years. Then he was uh, uh, polarized and eventually went to Kuwait. And then later on, he was trying to create a, some kind of a, uh, 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 connections with the Syrian government and southern Lebanon and all those things, some kind of association and all those things. So he was a troublemaker. As you heard Dr. Khali say in the setup, that war and politics are conjoined in a free country. Saddam Hussein didn't have to get anybody's permission to go to war. He just did it. But in the United States, at the head of the coalition that's building up in the fall of 1990, the one man who's making the greatest political calculations and taking the greatest political risk is the first President Bush. And Dr. Khalid understood why President Bush had to go on with the invasion and why some people's opinion, mine included, think President Bush stopped that war too soon. President Bush was one of the most intellectual presidents we have ever had in this country. And as I mentioned to you, I looked at him, even though he was in a war, a shutdown in World War II, a Navy pilot, he stopped because 
as I said, he was uh, still, uh, he wanted to have a, some kind of a, like a peaceful resolution to the problem. Again, he's very concerned about U.S. troops or, you know, casualties yeah. and all this. And yeah. that's what the role of the politicians yeah. are. You know, the U.S. military is ready to go, and they will execute yeah. the, pro, the, the plan, uh, you know, as, as it's been said. But he was looking at, you know, the long-term, you know, maybe um, implication of all this. And I freely admit it to Dr. Kali, and I'll admit to everybody listening that even though I think the war ended too soon, I was certainly happy to leave Saudi Arabia in subsequent episodes. I'll talk very candidly about my experience in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. It did not leave me with a nice, fuzzy feeling that I wanted to go back and visit Saudi Arabia someday. I was glad the war ended when it did, the way it did, and at the end of the Gulf War, someone on a big wheel could have ridden to Baghdad armed only with the BB gun. I didn't volunteer to do that. I was happy to come home in April of 1991. I never had Dr. Kali as a professor. Um, he taught Texas government, politics, and even Russian history when he was a professor at San Antonio College. But as I mentioned in last week's episode, after 30-plus years of teaching, he retired this summer of 2020. And one of the number one reasons was he's just – he is an in-person professor. He would be just as – comfortable teaching with Socrates at the University of Athens in 475 BC or whatever. And one of the reasons he walked away from teaching is if we're going to have these very important debates about politics and war and peace, academically speaking, we have to have those debates as part of in-person classroom learning. Jason, uh, I would say this, the education, the main foundation of education is the face-to-face uh, with the teacher because I told my student that, you know, many of my students used to tell me that, you know, they want to be like me or they, I was their role model, which I am not really, but, but I was always used to tell them that, you know, every morning I come to SAC, I uh, work on my hair for hours and my clothes, <laughs> I wear my best clothes, I show up and I give my best lecture over and every yeah. time I teach you, I learn it one more time over. And yeah. just look up to me. You know, I'm on time. I'm on the board. I'm in the discussion. I'm engaging you. We have free talk, and you're learning. And that's the that, – I hope the environment will go, go back. I, I don't have that much faith in Internet or long-distance education. Dr. Kali told me that he hopes we get, we get back to in-person classes, especially at the college level, and I agree, by the way, especially in, in liberal arts, you know, when history and politics and government, it's good for students to have that exchange of ideas and even a debate, and it's best when that occurs face-to-face. It's not like math and chemistry, where there is one definitive answer. You know, algebra and geometry, those things, there's really not a lot of debate that happens in algebra class because numbers equal other numbers. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it, that is true. And finally, I thank Dr. Kali for joining us on the Thunder and Lightning Operation Desert Storm podcast. Listen again. Thank you, thank you, thank you a million times. Thank I you, you, Jason. I, I, I'm so glad talking to you. I wish the best for you. I really appreciate it. Keep in touch. 
Dr. Kali still resides in San Antonio, Texas, and I told him off the air that if we get those in-person classes back, I hope he'll consider coming out of retirement and maybe teaching one or two classes. Plenty of professors do that kind. You don't have to take a full load. You know, you can go and be a visiting professor, and he's got such a great command of that part of the world that it was it was a wonderful part of that experience preparing to go to the war, being in the war, then coming back and having somebody like that as a resource to talk to. And I absolutely enjoyed 30 years later getting reconnected with him. I must tell you, in terms of teaching style, no one empowered me to tell people how to teach, but I sense that on college campuses circa 2020 that there is an epidemic an academic epidemic of intolerance that comes not just from the intolerant student mob, but sometimes from the professors themselves. And Dr. Kali is not one of those people. I've spoke to him quite a bit since I reconnected with him a couple weeks ago, and I cannot tell you who he's voting for. To him, he is the facilitator of topics and ideas, and he believes that the free flow of ideas in a free society is how we avoid getting into these conflicts and getting into these unpleasant wars at every level, at the government level, at the academic level, and all the things that go into formulating a country's foreign policy, especially in America, where public opinion drives a lot of that. And so it's just absolutely wonderful talking to Dr. Kali. And I thought it was a good time after three episodes to bring in a guest to share his unique perspective of everything relating to Operation Desert Shield and Desert Storm. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We'll be back in a couple of weeks, and we're going to talk about something that absolutely was one of the main themes of the war, and that was this idea that it would not be another Vietnam. The American experience in Vietnam, both militarily and politically, was one of the biggest factors in everything that happened in Operation Desert Shield and in Operation Desert Storm and the military and political calculations that went into the war. And so we'll talk about that. I want to send a quick shout out. I found out that KSYM, that San Antonio College uh, student radio station, is still there. When I listened back in the day, you couldn't download songs, but you'd hear a song and some Sometimes you wouldn't hear it anyplace else. Um, I actually had a boombox. We'll give the millennials a chance to look up what a boombox was that had a cassette recorder, and I would put it on KSYM, and I just hit record, and I found a lot of great songs that I didn't hear on Top 40 Radio, including the song we're getting out of here with Concrete Blonde and Joey. Thank you again, Dr. Osman Kali, and thank all of you for listening. Until next we speak, we'll talk to you soon. 